In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, our text of emphasis starts at verse 14. In verse 14, you will find these words. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me, gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyesalve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Saints, I just want to talk to you uh, a little while from the thought. Walking on both sides of the road. Walking on both sides of the road. Uh, this morning in our Sunday school, amen, we were in the book of Revelation chapter 5. And it was pointed out, amen, that the book of Revelation, amen, is a book of uh, prophecy, but at the same time it's a book of instruction. In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, uh, the historical context was set, amen, during the time of the writing of John. Wow. During those times, these seven churches that are outlined in these chapters did exist. These were not churches or a figment of imagination, but they were real churches in Asia Minor, wow. which today is modern-day Turkey. Uh, the first three chapters were 
chapters of instructions for churches that existed during that time, but by extension is also instruction to those of us who live today. Because I contend with you today to the fact that there are elements of all seven churches that can be found in churches today. Because even though times have changed and some things have changed, people have not changed. People may dress a little different than they did in those days, but we're still made up of the same matter. We still have three parts to us. We have the soul, the spirit, and the body. And we are still contending with that which Adam and Eve contended with after the fall of man, and that is the flesh. Amen. And so what we find in the book of Revelation is that there's almost like a pause in between chapters 3 and 4. Amen. Because in chapter 4, we find that uh, the one that spoke from heaven said, I will show you things which must take place after this. The words take place after this. The word metatauta tells us now we're in the prophetic realm. We have gone to the future now after the instruction of churches in the past. So in between three and four, we find the rapture because now the church in chapter four is in the mezzanine, amen. They're up high and lifted up in the heavenlies, amen. And then we start to see what goes on in the heavenly places from chapters four through the end of the book. But today we're going to look at this church, amen, this last church that was given instruction in chapter 3 before the transition to a metatata or to the prophetic realm. And that church is the church at Laodicea. The writer, John, writes to the angel at the church of Laodicea. The angel there is the pastor of that church, amen. He writes to him, amen, these things so that he can instruct those who are at that church. Amen. He says, uh, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. This is not saying that Jesus Christ was a creation of God, but that he is the source of all creation. Amen. Because we know from John, the gospel according to John chapter 1, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Amen. And that nothing was made that was not made by him. Amen. He is the father of everlasting. He created all things. He himself was not created because he's God. One of the attributes of God is that he goes from everlasting to everlasting. He has no creator. He is creation in himself. Amen. And so we look at the text and and that one, that true witness, uh, that one says to the pastor which in in, in transference or association says to the members that I know your works. Saints of God, I want you to know and Jesus is saying here that Uh, There is nothing that you do that God does not know. Uh, What's done in the darkness will also be brought to the light. God never sleeps nor he slumbers. He misses nothing, whether it's in the late midnight hour or in the wee hours of the morning. Amen. Whether it's 6 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock at night, God knows 
our works. And this is something that ought to cause us to tighten our belts because we should, when we hear those words, take a survey over our life and look at our week and our weeks and our months and our years and see how our works lines up with the commandments of God. What has God told us to do, amen, that we have been negligent in doing? And what has God told us to do that we have been forthright and diligent in doing? We need to continue to make weekly and daily assessments of our lives so that we do not find ourselves way off track. That we do not find ourselves on the road that's going one way when God told us to go the other way. That way of finding your track is to continue to do an assessment. Amen. Do a checkup on your life. What is on my schedule? What am I all about? Amen. Are I about the things of the Lord or things of myself? Am I more concerned with things in the carnal or in the spiritual? Amen. That is because God knows our works. And it's not just good enough to hear the word, amen, it's not even good enough to acknowledge the word. But it is only complete when you do the word. If you notice, Jesus is not looking at what you heard, he's looking at your works. He says, I know your works. That you are neither hot nor cold. You, 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 he could wish that you were one or the other. Saying, you know, you're on both sides of the street. I mean, one minute that you're in the world and the other minute you're in the kingdom of God. But the Lord said, I wish you'd be either one or the other. He said, if if you're unsaved, be unsaved. If you're saved, be saved. But don't try to walk on both sides of the street. And there's a reason why the Lord said, don't try that. Don't try to to live as if you're in the world when you're on your job with all those other heathens, amen, and then live like you're a Christian when you're amongst the people of God at church. There is a reason why, because he knows our works. He's just not looking at us when we're sitting up in a sanctuary, but he's also looking at us when we're on our jobs. Amen. When we're in this place where we are dealing with folks that we know don't love our God. We know that there is some consequence to standing up and being a follower of Jesus in the midst of them. There's a consequence. Sometimes they're telling their dirty jokes, amen, and we feel like we don't want to rock the boat, so we're laughing along with them. But the Lord is saying, now what side of the street are you on? Are you on the hot side or are you on the cold side? And so we look at the text and he says, He says, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm, lukewarm. I I don't know. Uh, Coffee drinker. Sister Butler, amen. When when you've had a hot cup of coffee and it's been good, amen, but you sit it up on the counter and it's gone along toward that day and now the temperature of that coffee has come to the ambient temperature of the room. That's called lukewarm. That coffee ain't too good when it's lukewarm, is it? You want to almost what? Spew it out of your mouth. That's what the Lord is saying here. He's saying your lives are like that. When you are walking on both sides of the street, 
It's like lukewarm coffee in his mouth, and he wants to spew you out of his mouth. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the Lord spewing me out anything from him. I need his presence always. I want him to be pleased by me. I don't want him to reject me. I want him to accept me. The worst thing we could ever have is rejection from God. Amen. And so we look at the text and we see that what's happening when you're walking on both sides of the street. When you're in rooms and you're making decisions that are, are, are inequitable and, and cheating and lying and deceiving in one place. And then when you're in another, amen, when everything is aligned and everything lines up with the, with the people that you're with, now you start to try to walk holy. God said, no, no, no. You need to be one or the other. Amen. You need to be all the way on one side of the street or all the way on the other. Don't try to walk on both sides of the street. Because I started to think about what the Lord was saying here. And let's say that cold means you're unsaved. And let's say hot means you're saved. God says, well, I'd rather you be cold or hot. If you're all the way cold, amen, at least the Lord knows where you stand. When you're all the way cold, you're in a position now to be presented with the gospel of Christ and to receive that gospel and start to live under that gospel the way you have lived under your servitude in the world. But when you're hot and cold, then where are you to go? When the gospel is presented to you, you say, I already got it. I don't need a physician because I've already been healed. But your works is showing that you need a healing. But you reject the healing because you say you're already saved. And then if you're all the way hot, then everything's good because your works will align with your profession of faith. But it's in that lukewarm state. It's in that when I'm living in both places. When I'm living that double life, I'm, I, I got one face when I'm in the world and I got another face when I'm in the church. It's that one that the Lord is concerned with here at the church at Laodicea and it's also the one that the Lord is concerned with right here at New Zion. It's also the same face that he's concerned with with all the churches that are called according to his name. God's concerned about whether you're walking on both sides of the street. Now look at the text. He says, uh, but you say, I am rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing. What happens when you're walking on both sides of the street is what ends up really happening is that you start to lean more on the flesh than you do on the spirit. Your mind becomes deceived on where you really are. Amen. You start to rely on the things that are carnal. You start to rely on the materialistic things. You start to rely on your bank accounts and your, your income and your uh, balance sheets. And you start to look at your retirement programs and your income streams. And you're looking at all of that and saying, I'm in good shape. You got the nice house on the hill and the fine car. Amen. That can start it self of. Amen. You got all of this going for you. So you're saying I'm rich and I'm in no need of nothing. I'm blessed and highly favored but you're living two lives. 
And you say, I'm too blessed to be depressed. But when you're with the world, you're acting like the world. And you're with the church, you're acting like the church. Even though you got a lot of material things, amen, you're really bankrupt. You're really in the worst place that you could ever be, even though you got a lot of materialistic trinkets. But your soul is on a pathway to potentially hell. Amen. Look at the text. In the text, he says, uh, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You, you don't know that you are in the worst place you could be in. And this word wretched reminds me of the words of Paul the Apostle when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? In that time, Paul had been saying, he said, I got these two things going on in me. I got the law of God and the law of sin. And then it causes me that when I want to do good, I don't end up doing it. But when I do what I don't want to do inside, I, 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 I'm not really wanting to do it, but I do it anyway. I've got this dichotomy. I have this, this, this antagonism within me. Because with my mind, I want to serve the law of God, but with my body, I serve the law of sin and death. So he says that you think you're all right, amen, but really, you're wretched. And really, you're in a position to where you are under the auspices and under the bondage of sin. He says in the text, he says, and you're really miserable. You're not doing well. You can't be doing well in your spirit if you're out of the will of God. He says, and you're poor because you're poor in spirit. You don't have what you need in there. You are spiritually bankrupt. Your walk with the Lord has been broken down because of your carnalistic and materialistic walk because you're on both sides of the street. But then it says that you are blind. He said, because you can't see that where you are is not where you're supposed to be. You think you're all right. Everything around you tells you green light, green light, but it's really red. You, you're in a bad situation. You think you got on plenty of clothes, but the Lord say you're naked. You're naked. It reminds me of the Garden of Eden. Amen. Because uh, God asked Adam, where are you? And he said, well, I hid from you because I was naked. And the Lord said, who told you you were naked? Sin exposes, amen, our nakedness. Amen. And we are not clothed in the righteousness of God. What Adam was missing is that relationship he had had once before with God where he was clothed in the righteousness of God, where he was clothed in the spirit of God. Now there had been a separation because sin had set in. He's saying to the church at Laodicea, you think you're walking with me and you're really walking away from me. You are naked. Amen. Walking on both sides of the street. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. He's saying because that gold that you are, are using and trying to obtain is nothing but pyrite, fool's gold. The gold that you have is worth nothing 
because it's not the pure, unadulterated, refined, pure gold that I have that you should buy from me. You have bought it from the world and everything that the world has set before you. You have decided that your allegiance to the world is more important than your allegiance to God. I'm just talking about walking on both sides of the street. See, when we make a decision, amen, to walk on both sides of the street, we're really nullifying our allegiance to God and saying that we have allegiance to the devil. See, the Lord told us in another place, he says, you cannot serve two masters. You must love the one or hate the other. Amen. There's no, there's no uh, uh, gray area. It's either black and white. There's no straddling the fence. There's no lukewarmity. There's no walking on both sides of the road. If you think about the whole idea of this sermon, Amen. Walking on both sides of the road. If you think about that from the perspective of simultaneous walking, amen, that doesn't make a bit of sense. How am I going to walk on both sides of the road? And that's the point. You can't. You either walk on the left side or walk on the right. You're either cold or hot. See, that don't work. But see, the devil has deceived some of us in believing that we can do it. Amen. And the Lord say we're blind. He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. You can really only walk on one side of the road. But look at the text. He says, you, 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 he says, get this good gold. Amen. Get this good gold from me. Amen. That's been through the refiner's fire has been purified, amen, and there is no deformities in it. There's no more sin or wretchedness in this gold. It has all been burned away because it's gone through the refiner's fire. And then you will be truly rich, and that now you can be clothed in the white garments of salvation, that you will be seen as righteousness in the sight of God, that you may be clothed up in the, 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 the presence of the Holy Ghost and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed because you're covered by the blood of the Lamb. You're covered in his righteousness and that when the world and God looks towards you, they can see nothing but the righteousness of God because you're walking on one side of the road. And that side of the road in our particular case is being hot. Wow. Amen. Amen. Being in the presence of the Lord. And we look at the text. He says, he says also that you anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you might see. One thing you, you must understand is that if you're going to see anything, the Lord has to anoint your eyes to see. You're not going to just get up one morning and say, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do all the seeing I want to see. Because the reality is without the Lord, we are all blind. Amen. Amen. And so let the Lord put ourselves so that you might see. And the text says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Verse 19, I love that verse. Because I want the Lord to love me. And when the Lord is loving me, that he will rebuke me and chasten me. Rebuking and chastening is not a bad thing. It may not feel good, but it's good for you. 
We talked on other times about them old days of uh, uh, drinking castor oil and, and drinking uh, uh, black draw and Father John and three sixes, amen, to get well, amen. And you're drinking that stuff and it tastes terrible. But after you take it for a while and it gets to doing the work, man, whatever ailment you got going on, whatever colds and stuff, it just gets it right out of you. And the next thing you know, you're back on your way. That's how it is with the chastening and the rebuking of the law. Oh, it don't taste good. Amen. Sometimes it's real bitter. But you know what? You will be healed and you'll be back on your way. Sometimes the Lord got to tell you about yourself. That's rebuking. Amen. And then he chases. He has to put something on our rear ends to kind of move us back to where we're supposed to be. Amen. And I'm so glad it's the Lord that does the rebuking and chastening because he loves us. He doesn't rebuke us and chasten us to kill us, but he does it to heal us. Amen. Amen. And so the Lord says, because I love you, because I rebuke and chasten you, therefore be zealous and repent. Be motivated because of how I respond to your uh, walking on both sides of the street, be motivated to repent. Be motivated to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, Lord. And Lord, help me to turn from this sin and to walk right. Lord, to be where you want me to be so that I'm in your will. Because the Lord is saying, I'm bringing about rebuking and chastening so that you can get right. But when, I, when you receive the rebuke and you receive the chastening if you're not motivated to repent amen all you will do is reject that rebuking and reject that chastening and I want to say there are folks today who are rejecting the rebuke and rejecting the chastening because they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it they are hard hearted and have decided I'm not going to turn and the Lord has dealt with folks in this way before. He's dealt with the Pharaoh of Egypt. Amen. He dealt with him. Amen. He said, okay, in your heart, if you do not want to serve me and obey me, then I will harden your heart so you can't obey me. So there are folks today who have rejected the rebuke and the chastening of God to now God has given them a reprobate mind and they can't serve God because God has turned their hearts away from him. You want to make sure when you feel the rebuke and the chastening of God to respond immediately with motivation to repent because you don't want God to give you a reprobate mind. Amen. Amen. And so we look at the text. And we see, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. The Lord is saying here that I am willing to heal you. I'm willing to come in and to reestablish the relationship that we once had together. But it starts with your zealousness. It starts with your motivation to turn back. As he told Israel in times past, return unto me and I will be your God and you will be my people. God does not desire condemnation, but he desires mercy. 
The Lord is saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Open the door and let me in. If you hear me knocking, don't resist and don't turn away, but let me in. Because he'll come in the door and he will sup with us, that he will dine with us. Amen. And we will have good things to eat. He wants to feed us his word that will continue to edify and correct us and direct us. But if we reject the chastening and the rebuking of the Lord, there will be a time that we do not know when the Lord will say the door is forever shut. We don't want to let that happen. We want to make sure that we hear and respond positively to the chastening of the Lord. Looking at our text, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. If you're going to be an overcomer in the Lord, you're going to have to overcome by the power of Jesus Christ. You're not going to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. You're not going to come up with your own made-up schemes and your own made-up dreams. But you're going to have to do it by the power of the Lord. See, the Lord knows what it's going to take to overcome. Amen. And he knows that you don't have the power to overcome in yourself. Because the overcoming of the world comes by the righteousness that has to be put to your account. And you in yourself cannot be righteous because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None are righteous. No, not one. So you need a righteousness that is not a domestic righteousness but is a foreign righteousness that comes from the Lord. It is his righteousness put to our account that makes us overcomers. Amen. So you have to trust in the Lord. Amen. And not in your yourself if you want to be an overcomer. But when you trust in the Lord for your salvation and for your righteousness, the Lord said, I will reward you by allowing you to sit on my throne with me, just as I sit on the throne with my Father who is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one who do not have the opportunity to sit on the throne with Jesus. When that day comes, when we get the new heaven and the new earth, when the Lord Jesus then sits on his throne on Mount Zion. I want to know that I'm going to be able to go be with my Lord. I want to know that I'll be able to sit at his right hand and love on him and he loved on me. I want to know that my sins have been forgiven. I want to know that my account is now righteous. I want to know that I have on the white garments of righteousness for his name's sake. When we look at the text, uh, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what thus the Spirit says to the churches. You need to know today that you won't understand the things of God unless you have his Holy Spirit. And God is ready to give you his spirit if you will repent of your sins. The Bible says he who has not his spirit is not his. So make sure you have asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and help walk on the right side of the road. On the right side of the road is the fullness of joy and at his right hand 
there may be somebody here today, amen, who needs to be on the right side of the road. Right now, I want you to know that the Lord says that his arms are open wide. He stretched his arms out on Calvary's mountain for you and for me. That the whosoever's would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right now is the time to get your business fixed with the Lord. Because he's already demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died. He died for the sins of the world and paid a payment that we couldn't pay. And so now we who know him are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Anyone else who is not, amen, it's a good time to get your business fixed today. Come to Jesus. Amen. Come unto to be. Amen. We want to make sure we're on the right side. Amen. Amen. Well, saints of God, if all hearts and minds are clear, amen, we will stand for our benediction. Amen. And then proceed on from there for our offering. Amen. Amen. Let us stand.
Father, Lord, we thank you, Master, for another day's journey. Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus for all that we've heard and seen on today. Lord, we thank you for the prayers and the songs on today. We thank you for the members that thought it well to come out to the house of the Lord one more time. Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for sunshine we've never seen before. We thank you for grace and for mercy. We thank you for goodness that follows us all the days of our lives. And Master, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you continue to protect New Zion Missionary Baptist Church. Protect its members and continue to strengthen them, Master, as they go through the days of their lives. And Lord, as we prepare to give in our offering, Lord, I ask once again that you bless it 10, 100, 1,000 fold. Master, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that when we leave this place, Lord, let us never leave from your presence. As we go down the dangerous highways and byways, protect us from hurt, harm, and danger, those things we can see and those things we cannot see. Lord, we ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all the saints of God sang together, Amen. Please be seated and obey the usher.